Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk truth about the Russia hoax collapsing, Seth Rich, Ed Butowski, and WikiLeaks, and finally, the FBI's deplorable incuriosity. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. Many of you follow the Mueller investigation in varying degrees, and some of you may actually listen to an attorney in Washington, uh, Joe DeGeneva. He had a great clip this weekend on, he does an annual, uh, I mean, excuse me, a weekly presentation on WMAL, and I want to play us a little bit of a clip that he, what he had to say, and then we'll talk about it. The disastrous testimony of Mueller was an example of how this has been a failing effort from the beginning. Uh, this was a, make no mistake about it, this, this was an effort to depose the President of the United States by creating a crime and then dethroning him and throwing him out of office. They failed at that uh, because Andrew Weissman didn't get his interview with the President of the United States. Remember, the only thing this investigation was ever about that Mueller was conducting, Weissman really, was to, they knew there was no Russian collusion from day one. So they used that as a pretext to end up with an interview of the president where they were going to find that he had lied, report that to Congress, and then recommend his impeachment. That didn't happen because the president's lawyers, both paid and unpaid, recommended he should never sit down with Weissman. He didn't. The Weissman's people lost, and then they wrote an ugly, vindictive, unprofessional, unethical report about the president of the United States, which set constitutional law on its head by claiming that they couldn't exonerate the president, thus obliterating the presumption of innocence and due process in the U.S. Constitution. But here's, here's the truth. The reason Barr was given declassification authority was because Coates was in the way, as was Chris Ray, the FBI director. They were fighting tooth and nail, uh, phony cover-ups, allegedly to protect sources and methods, uh, when Chris Ray was simply trying to protect the FBI from the just hugely embarrassing details that are going to come out. By the way, the declassification process will start this week. There are going to be documents released, I think, by Wednesday. Uh, the Attorney General, as I understand it, is in the process of getting those ready to come out. There are going to be some of the Devin Nunes documents that he requested, and then a series of other releases will come after that. That's because Durham is progressing very, very quickly in his criminal investigation. This is not a review, quote-unquote, of what went on. This is a criminal investigation of senior DOJ and FBI officials from the Obama administration and intelligence community people, including John Brennan. This is a federal grand jury. This is not a review. This is not an IG audit. This is not some uh, Congressional Research Service uh, look at history. This is a criminal investigation of a bunch of people who tried to seditiously overthrow the President of the United States. 
I want to play that relatively long clip in today's first five to make just a couple of points. Number one, Joe DeGeneva, a very widely respected former U.S. attorney, has been tenacious throughout this entire Mueller investigation, pointing out that the purpose from the start was to, in some way, take down the president of the United States. It was really a continuation of the effort made inside the FBI and Department of Justice, even during the election in 2016. It was an ongoing effort to take out this president by people in extremely high positions of authority in this country. If documents really begin to be released tomorrow, Wednesday, you will see it will be a tsunami of uh, both accusations, defenses, uh, expressions of outrage, because we're talking about very highly placed people who were either involved in helping to formulate or covering up what was happening inside the FBI and Department of Justice. And again, started way before the Mueller uh, team was appointed to do an investigation into the hoax. Uh, the into the yeah into the hoax number two it's really important to remember that name andrew weissman as i mentioned several times in the show in the past we've had sydney powell on the show others have made the point robert Mueller wasn't really in charge of this investigation he was a wonderful figurehead he is was not in charge of the investigation it was andrew weissman who appears to have run the entire investigation andrew weissman being the main villain in sydney powell's true story book license to lie in which she lays out his conduct in the uh, as an attorney, as a prosecutor in in Washington, literally creating crimes that do not exist, charging people the Enron other cases, charging people that crimes that don't exist, and only to be eventually reversed by the Supreme Court 9-0. But Andrew Weissman appears to have been the main culprit running this investigation, and apparently clear from the start that there was no Trump-Russia conspiracy. Collusion isn't a crime. Conspiracy is. There was no Trump-Russia conspiracy. What Weissman was doing, I think, to John is exactly right. He was hoping to get an interview with the president, and just like other people who fell for it, this during the time of the Mueller investigation. Other people who managed to, who had an interview, tried to be forthcoming, tried to lay out what they did or did not know, and were trapped by, people were calling it the Mueller perjury trap, or it's the Weissman perjury trap. The idea of speaking to the FBI during an investigation without a lawyer present and when you don't know if you're going to be accused or not and the FBI already having mountains of information about you, recordings of your phone conversations, in many cases the complete contents of your emails, all your communications, your text messages. This investigation was setting up innocent Americans, setting them up into a perjury trap with the ultimate goal of getting someone to turn on President Trump. And the third point is, as I said many times in the show and every other lawyer I know said, Trump would be out of his mind to sit down with the FBI team, with Mueller, with, with the, anyone from that team, with, from, with Weissman, because the goal would never have been to find the truth. The goal would have been to find some statement that then the Mueller team could contort or even an erroneous statement, just a mistaken statement about the sequence of events or a date that something happened and turn that into an effort to make an impeachable offense against President Trump. That's what this whole Mueller investigation was. The entire thing cooked up inside the FBI and Department of Justice was a coup attempt. Tomorrow, if these documents really do drop, will be a big, big day in American history. But I want to close out this first five today by telling you who we, what we're going to be talking about next, and that is this. 
So much of what we talked about for months had to do with the effort inside the FBI to set up George Papadopoulos, to misuse the FISA warrant system, to get FISA warrants to spy on innocent people who had some connection to the Trump team. That was one whole aspect of this unbelievable assault on the presidency and truly is on President Trump. It's on the American people really telling them you don't get to pick the president. These people running this unbelievable scandal, they thought they got to pick the president. But the other aspect of this Trump-Russia uh, investigation, which we're going to turn to today, has to do with the whole argument that the American people began hearing in 2016 that the Russians hacked into the DNC server, and then they, the Russians, provided those emails to WikiLeaks. And somehow, and WikiLeaks, you know, they released just trove of emails that made Hillary look terrible, made a lot of people look terrible, and they also hacked into John Podesta's email. So you had all these emails out there, WikiLeaks is releasing them, Hillary's looking terrible, and the argument went after Hillary surprised the world and lost the election was that somehow Trump had colluded with the Russians, assisting with this hacking into the DNC server. So what I focus on today is, what exactly really happened with the access to the DNC server. And on that topic, we're going to turn to the subject of Seth Rich. We talked about Seth Rich just a few weeks or last week, I think it was, in connection with a lawsuit filed by Ed Butowski, who lives in the Texas, in North Texas, right near us. And he, uh, in his lawsuit, recounted his experience in finding out that Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guru founder, had told a friend of Ed's, who told him that that hack into the DNC server, that the email access from the DNC server did not come from a foreign hack like the media and the left was trying to sell, but instead came internally. Somehow that hack happened or that access to those emails that were then shared with WikiLeaks happened inside from someone inside the FBI, which leads us to Seth Rich, the DNC staffer who was murdered in Washington, D.C., and now I'm going to turn and invite you and introduce my guest for the show today, Ed Butowski. Hi. Hi. It's a great introduction. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. I actually want to do a touch more introduction of you. Ed yeah. Butowski is, a, as I mentioned, he lives in here in North Texas. He's a financial advisor, very successful financial advisor, a former Fox Business Network commentator. One cool thing, among many things he did, he worked with Morgan Stanley. He has a great financial career. One thing he did I thought was interesting reading about him, he tried to help athletes. He, he, he had a little bit of his practice focused around helping athletes be a little bit smarter with their money. And so I thought it was a brilliant thing because you always hear stories these athletes paid millions and then they, mm -hmm. they're broke. And you think, how could that have happened? Because well, that's they, actually the name of my uh, documentary, uh, Broke. It was on uh, ESPN. It was a part of the 30 for 30 series. And it came from an article we did in Sports Illustrated with Pablo Torre called okay. How and Why Athletes Go Broke. So that's what I do. And But at the same time, as, as everyone's going to hear in a little bit, uh, how the hell did I get involved with this? Um, well, that's we're going to go right to that point right now. So Ed, so Ed Butowski got involved in this because... He has a friend named Ellen Ratner, and you may have heard her name discussed in the media many times, but I want to just start with your first conversation with Ellen Ratner, what she told you about her time meeting with Julian Assange in London. Sure, and, and to understand, it, this isn't somebody I just met. I, Ellen and I are very good friends. Um, I've known Ellen for many years. I met her in the green room because I had done Fox News for uh, one of those commentators for about eight years, unpaid. Um, met her in the green room in Washington, and we were talking, and she told me about a company she had. 
and she quickly uh anybody knows ellen knows that there's no secrets although there is now uh but ellen is an open book and ellen will tell you everything and she just said i have this company i don't make any money i'm losing all this money so i naturally just wanted to help her out uh over the last five six years we've gone to the point of uh uh, her, having Thanksgiving dinner together, going on different trips around the country, going to different events. So Ellen and I became very, very close. She also knew some other things that I had been involved with, so she felt very comfortable opening up her business and asking me for help, which I never got paid, never asked to get paid. And she also felt very comfortable sharing secrets with me. So get to, tell us, please, what did she, Ellen Ratner, tell you? And she had a meeting with Julian Assange in London, the head of WikiLeaks, the founder of WikiLeaks. Yeah. What, did she, what did she tell you he said? So, so one, one day we're together, and, she's, and she, she said to me, she said, you wouldn't believe what Julian told me. And I didn't know who Julian was. I didn't know she knew Julian Assange. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, well, my brother Michael had passed away, and they dedicated a building to him in Berlin. And on the way back from Berlin, she stopped at the Ecuadorian embassy and met with Julian Assange. And she said, Julian told me three things. One, the password to Podesta's emails was password. <laughs> the password to the DNC server was change. And that Seth Rich um, was the one who downloaded the DNC emails and sold them to WikiLeaks. And Julian wanted her to contact Joel and Mary Rich. Right, I didn't know the parents, the rich parents, to let them know what had happened. And the reason that she said that, they, that he wanted that is because he knew that the Washington police wasn't investigating, wasn't helping, and thought that they needed to know and should know what happened to their son. Now, not that there's a connection, because we don't know if there's a connection between his murder and the emails. What he wanted them to know was that the emails that he got came from them. She okay, asked me, me. Julie, be, to confirm that first point. Julian mm -hmm. Assange wanted the parents of Seth Rich to know that the emails WikiLeaks had from the DNC came to WikiLeaks from Seth Rich. That is precisely one hundred percent correct. That's what she told me. She asked me to get a hold of them. I said no. I said I don't have any interest in getting involved with any of this stuff. And then I started seeing on television. This is what really got to me over and over and over again. Watching television, you kept hearing that Trump and Vladimir Putin somehow together coordinated to steal the emails from the DNC. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what in the world is going on here? So every once in a while I would call up Ellen and say, why don't you say something? And she told me she's told many people. And I said, okay, why isn't anybody reporting it? She said, no one's, no one's reporting it. No one wants to talk about it. So then it was December the 16th. Um, I finally reached out to the Rich family. And I had a phone call with them December 17th. So uh, on the 17th of December, I had a phone call with the Riches. And at the very beginning of the phone call, I told them you know, how sorry I felt for them. Uh, I had a son who just went to school. And if anybody knew anything about my son that I didn't know, I'd kill him. And that's the way I feel. Just like if somebody was over in my house and the kid was 16 years old and drinking a beer, I would behind the kid's back tell his parents because I shouldn't know something they don't know. Right. And I'm very strong about that. So. I felt that way as well here. And I finally called up, uh, I spoke to them, told them, and Joel, the very first thing Joel said was, Ed, we, we know you know, all of this. We, we don't need to know anything more. We just want to know who murdered Seth. And I said, oh, he says, we don't want people to know about this because we're trying to keep uh, Seth's name out from being the person who got Donald Trump elected. And people don't understand this, uh, Deb, uh, Debbie, that most people 
don't realize, you know, what is going on with the riches? I mean, the riches know very well that they're, and in, in, in Aaron is involved to, to some degree. Aaron is Seth's brother. Seth's brother. But let's just focus on Seth's at this moment. People don't realize that this family is just trying to preserve so their their son's name doesn't go down in history as the guy who got Donald Trump elected. Because some people believe these emails were what swayed the election. They certainly didn't hurt anyway. Right, and and, and so so that's the reason. So Joel is very focused on one thing: who murdered my son? Aaron jump in and, and Joel ask. and Mary. A whole nother story. Okay, when I want to jump in and want to ask. So in this first conversation. Did it seem like the dad was, this is Seth Rich's dad, and mm-hmm. I meant to say to our listeners, he was murdered on July 10, 2016, in Washington, D.C. If you didn't follow the story, uh, two shots to the back, very late at night slash early morning, uh, nothing stolen, wallet not taken, all of that, and he was, uh, and the murder remains unsolved. This is obviously over three years Not later. only unsolved, but uninvestigated. Uninvestigated. Okay. But when you first talked to the dad, mm-hmm. was he assuming that his son's murder had nothing to do with the, what he did at the DNC downloading these emails? Or no, never really discussed that. All he said was, I don't want to discuss emails, WikiLeaks, I want to know who murdered my son. So what did you do with that information? Well, th- then w- what happened was, I didn't think much was going to occur. We we then played Jewish geography. This is what Jews do. We just sit around <laughs> and talk about who knows who. And we did that for a little while. And then um, we talked about Omaha. I thought it was amazing that there were Jews in Omaha. That'll tell you what a New York Jew you know thinks about Omaha, right? But I, I had no idea. And we, we just made small talk. And the phone call lasted 30 minutes. But at the end of the call, Mary Rich said to me, Ed, if you um, ever learn anything, let me know. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to learn anything. All I did was communicate a message. So about a week later, I was talking to a friend of mine named Larry Johnson. Larry's a former CIA operative, NSA, one of of those people that do secretive things. And I was trying to help him find a connection in the government where he might be able to sell. There was a widget of some kind that he was trying to sell. And at the end of that phone call, this is to tell you how strange life is. At the end of that phone call... I said, you know, by the way, have you ever heard of this Seth Rich, WikiLeaks, blah, blah, blah? He said, well, yeah, I have a friend of mine. He's actually trying to get a story published and can't. His name's Cy Hirsch. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, he says, you know who Cy Hirsch is? And I said, I really don't know. I, I might have heard his name somewhere. Um, and he said, well, Cy has everything about it. And he's trying to get a story published and no one will publish it. He said, do you want Cy to call you? I said, please, have him call me. So one day I get a phone call and this guy is talking really fast, but he's calling me to share information with me. And all I care about at this point is I can get some information and share it over with Joel and Mary Rich. So as he's talking, he's talking so fast and my handwriting is so bad. You can see right here how bad my handwriting is. I just hit voice memo. My kids had just taught me how to do this. And I thought this is the greatest thing in the world on an iPad. Yeah. I can just tape people. So I taped him. And he just went on and on and on talking about the FBI, talking about the FBI file, talking about what is in the FBI file. About Seth about Rich. About Seth Rich, okay. about you know, you know, the emails and what he went through. And anybody can go right from this YouTube channel and go right over to Seymour Hersh or go to a, a site called debunkingrodwheelersclaims.net. There's two recordings there. One of them, I redacted my voice completely and redacted something Cy said, because Cy is not very kind to some people. But then the whole version is up there also, about 26 minutes. And anybody who wants to listen to it can listen to it. And I've never said anything negative about Cy Hersh. Cy Hersh goes around saying things about me 
and he should only say what a jerk Ed Butowski is for taping me. But I've never said anything else. Okay, but so we don't. So what did Cy Hirsch say in relation to the FBI file about Seth Rich? Did he, did he was he aware that there was some acknowledge that the FBI knows that Seth Rich was the one who got the? Have you listened to it? I, halfway through, I answer. How do you ready for the show? But you okay. tell me. You mean yes, the answer is yes, absolutely. Not only that, he talks about how many emails. He talks about the 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 actual emails themselves. How much he was asking. How he was going to get them to him through a Dropbox. This is not a secret. The problem is people don't want, as you said in your opening, to admit what has happened. But what happened was real simple. That one little part of Russia. And, and so on, that the Dems and the liberals and whoever the deep state wanted to blame on the Russians and Trump didn't happen. Okay, so this guy, Cy Hirsch, is saying he personally saw the emails that were from... No, no. He was told by a very senior person at the FBI. FBI that, okay, yeah. So he, that person said on Seth Rich's email, on his computer, our emails reflecting he was making the effort to sell these emails he got from the DNC to WikiLeaks. Right, he gave him Dropbox. a little sampling of it at first. Uh, and they looked through all the emails. They gave a little sampling of the emails that he took from the, from the DNC. Then he sold the rest of them. Okay. I want to quick go, uh, Matt, the extremely wonderful producer. We have a quick clip I want to play. Uh, this is Julian Assange on August 19th. And again, Julian Assange being the founder of WikiLeaks. I want to play a quick clip of an interview that he did related to Seth Rich. WikiLeaks never sits on material. Uh, uh, whistleblowers go to significant efforts to get us material and often very significant risks. As a 27-year-old uh, works for the DNC, who was shot in the back, murdered uh, just two weeks ago uh, for un unknown reasons as he was walking down the street in Washington. So that was, that was just a robbery, I believe, wasn't it? No, it's, there's no finding. So uh, that's what are you the suggesting? sort of... What are you suggesting? What, I'm suggesting that our sources uh, take risks, and they are—they become concerned uh, to see things occurring uh, like that. But was he one uh, of your sources then? I mean, we don't comment on who our sources but are. Why but why make the suggestion about a young guy being shot in the streets of Washington? Because uh, we have to understand uh, how high the stakes are uh, in the United States, and that our sources are, you know. Our sources face serious risks. Uh, that's why they come to us, so we can protect uh, their anonymity. Uh, but it's quite something and, to suggest a murder. So, that's basically what you're doing. Well, that others have have suggested that uh, we are investigating to understand uh, what happened uh, in that situation with Seth Rich. I think it is uh, a concerning situation. There's not a conclusion yet. We wouldn't be willing to state a conclusion, but we are concerned about it. Okay, the reason I wanted to play that is because this interview you're watching with um, Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, was August 9th of 2016. It's just not even a month after Seth Rich's murder. So if Julian Assange did not get those emails from Seth Rich, why is he talking about and you can hear the question saying why are we even talking about this so it's one form of independent verification that even julian assange is trying to tell people hey i got these from seth rich now let's go back to you mr butowski so you have this information you've talked to seth's parents they already knew that their son was doing this they just want to find the murder you eventually hired an investigator to try to figure this out is that right well let me make a point based on that Let's video yeah anybody who doesn't believe that Seth Rich sold the emails to WikiLeaks 
doesn't want to believe what's right in front of them. I mean, we're sitting here playing around with this because the press, which hopefully right. we'll get to, hasn't hasn't decided to investigate and report on this. But Julian Assange, and I know this for a fact, I know 100% certain, I'd sell both my kids. Actually, I'd probably just sell my kids anyway. But I would put my kids up. The, the emails were sold by Seth Rich to WikiLeaks. He did it through uh, different different channels. But that's what happened. So let's let's stop playing games around here. But that's what everyone is doing. And they're doing that because they're tr- they were trying to find a way to get Trump out of office or before he got into office. And, and, and that's what this was. That's what this whole thing is about. But let's stop playing games. That's what everyone's doing. It's really annoying. Well, I'll tell you why they're playing games. To go back to my point a moment ago, I think, which is if people accept that Seth Rich gave those emails to WikiLeaks, then they, are, they believe they are agreeing that there's some implication that somehow the DNC or someone connected with them was responsible for his murder. They don't want attention on the murder, and that is why they're saying, well, they, they just want to keep the story in the public's mind that this all had that, to do. That, 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 that could be, it, and you know, we all hear different things. I have no idea who murdered Seth Rich. I have no idea any of that, and quite honestly, I, I didn't ever expect to get involved with this thing. But since I'm in it, and everything that's happened to me since, which I hope we can touch on, um, I'm not backing down. I'm sitting here right now and telling you. So you asked me a question about hiring somebody. That's not what occurred. At the After I sent the audio recording to the Riches, I was very upset that they didn't thank me. Okay. You sent the audio recording of Cy Hirsch? Of Cy Hirsch. I'm okay. sorry. Once I sent the audio recording of Cy Hirsch, they didn't thank me. And I just thought that was rude. I, I just thought I could not believe that I sent, you know, I got this guy and I got him something that I thought would be helpful and you would expect if they were being very honest, Mr. and Mrs. Rich, they would have gone out of their way to thank me uh, profusely. Because when you listen to that, there's a lot of information yeah. that would help them understand what possibly happened or what their son was involved with. So um, I, I, I called them up about three weeks later. You know, they, they said they, they acknowledged they got the file, but they never said anything more. And three weeks later, I said, hey, you know, how about a, a nice thank you? How about an attaboy or something? Okay, because it just seemed weird. And they said, yeah, we got it. I said, was it helpful? And they said, uh, not really. And I'm thinking, how in the world could that not be helpful? They, they, they were like, that didn't really tell us anything. I'm thinking, it told you everything. It didn't tell them who killed their son. Right, that's their point. and that's the point, okay? And, and I'm happy you picked up on that, Debbie. So, so then I said, why don't you hire a private detective at the end of the conversation? And Joel, uh, Mary Rich said we couldn't afford one. And I said, I'll pay for it. Now, I never intended to say any of those things. I just called because I was weird that they didn't say thank you. And instead of saying what normally would happen, oh my goodness, Ed, that is so nice of you to offer. We could never accept. We barely know you. That's what's supposed to happen, (laughs) all right? That didn't happen. What did they say? Thank you. And I just went, Oh my goodness, what did I just do? What did I commit to? And I couldn't say, hey, I was just kidding. So I interviewed seven different, you know, as opposed to this nonsense lawsuit that came at me, which hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about. I interviewed seven different private detectives. Found out that uh, if you want to hire a private detective in Washington, it's going to cost you between $150 and $250 an hour. So I eventually had someone refer me over to a guy named Rod Wheeler. And I text with Rod, and uh, we spoke. Um, and Rod, I will tell you, nice guy, right? Everything fall, fell apart later, but 
great guy, actually. I, you know, he's a nice person. Did a good job. I mean, I don't know how to compare because I've never had a private detective before, but uncovered a lot of stuff. And a lot of that stuff is at debunkingrodwheelersclaims.net. But he, he worked. And then things unraveled at some point, and very few people on any radio show that I've done have ever really talked about it, which I hopefully would get a moment to, because <laughs> I would like you to. But the point is, is that Rod Wheeler did a good job. I did not hire Rod, by the way. Joel and Mary Rich did. I agreed to pay the bill. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I never got a bill. I gave Rod $5,000 right at the beginning, but not to work. He was literally, he was dead broke. And he needed to pay his bills. And I said, here, here's some money. And I'm not a rich guy, as, as opposed to what everyone says in the press. I'm far from a rich guy. But I gave him some money because I felt bad for him. He started working after Joel and Mary Rich and their son, Aaron, and the wife, Aaron's wife, Molly, uh, negotiated a contract. And I include her because she's an attorney. And that's the fax machine I think they used going back and forth. Um, eventually, they came to an agreement on March the 14th. It was March the 14th, 2017. And that's when they agreed. But way before that, Rod had already started working. He knew lots of people in the homicide de department. And I thought he did a fine job until he screwed everything up on May 15th. Okay, we will get to that. But I do want to add, because the point, I, I want to try as much as we can to litigation and all that. But I wanted to get a couple of points really clear. Number sure. one. So here you have Mueller looking into the entire Trump-Russia collusion. Many people in America, if you ask them what got that started, oh, because the Russians hacked into the DNC server. That's what most people would say. So I want to ask, it, that you know, kicked it off. So during the entire course of Mueller investigation, did anyone from the Mueller investigation reach out to you to ask you about your interaction, about Ellen Ratner, what she said to you, what you said to the riches? No, what's ironic about it is I called them and offered myself up. But I'll tell you, every time a black SUV drove by, I kind of got a little scared. <laughs> There's a lot of black SUVs in Dallas. Yeah, there are. So you called to offer what you knew. Oh, absolutely. They said, no, thank you. No, nobody ever got back to me. Okay. How about anyone from like the D.C. police, any any federal or state agency, anyone ever come to find out what happened? I called, I called uh, Joey Delacamera was assigned uh, as the detective in Washington. Uh, I called Joey, probably, I, I would say 15 times, never had a phone call back. Uh, Chief of Police Newsom called him, never heard back from him. So they just didn't really want to hear what you were having to say, apparently. Well, in okay, fact, you're the only person who's, who will talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I tell you, I'm into truth. I said, the end of the story, I want truth, I want justice, because right. they matter. So your friend Ellen Ratner, who was the one who had the conversation with Assange, she told you what Assange said, that he got the emails from Seth Rich. Are, do you think the FBI ever reached out to her in the course of the Mueller investigation to ask her? No, because nobody knew about Ellen until this bonehead, and I, I told you I wouldn't use bad words, but bonehead's not a terrible it, word. It's, it's okay. Okay. guy named Isakoff. Until Isakoff, yeah. a bonehead who says he's a reporter who's got no morals in reporting, he outed her. And when he outed her, she then said something that wasn't true. She said she never told me that. Well, we now see videos and audio all over the place where she did. She said she never, I didn't even realize she said that. But I'm going to go, because yep. we have, wonderful Matt, we have a very quick clip of Ellen Ratner. Uh, just a quick, quick short clip of her. I, I, I spent three hours with Julian Assange on Saturday at the Ecuadorian embassy yeah, get in this. London. Listen to this. Go ahead. Well, I did. Yeah. And, but one of the things he did say is that the leaks were not from, uh, they were not from the Russians. They were an internal source uh, from the Hillary campaign or from, from somebody that knew Hillary, an enemy. Uh, he does not think they're from Russians. And he said Russia got credit for something WikiLeaks should have gotten credit for. 
Well. Okay, that was that was Ellen Ratner, the same one we're talking about, who spoke to Ed Butowski, a good friend of his, and told him that Julian Assange said Seth gave him the emails and to please ask or Assange want Ellen to go talk to Seth's parents, but instead she asked Ed, and he did that. So you have Assange bizarrely in interested in the Seth Rich murder. You know, not even four weeks later, you have Ellen Ratner saying, you know that Julian Assange told her the emails didn't come from the Russians. And then the third quick point on Julian Assange is he actually put out a, an offer, a reward, whatever it was, 20, 25,000 for any information about the murder of Seth Rich. Well, if Seth Rich wasn't the source of those emails, why would Julian Assange possibly do that? Now back to you, Ed. Okay, so I just I want to keep making this point because I'm I am very bothered that people don't want to know what's true. And I'll tell you, it's gotten to where in media it's become the cool thing in media to roll your eyes about Seth Rich. Oh my gosh, are you still on that story? We've all moved past that. It yeah. is it it is the idea, what? and it's kind of the, the kind of tinfoil hat. Are you one of those people, conspiracy people? But the truth is, facts exist like these facts, and people who are denying them or trying to hang on to the Russia you know, hack the DNC, don't want to deal with those facts. Okay, so you well, said you want well, to talk about I, I, Well, I want to address a, f a few things about that. So first of all, there is information that will be coming out very, very soon um, that all those people who rolled their eyes, they can keep rolling their eyes and they can you know, roll their eyes to the unemployment line because, <laughs> bec because they're denying. It's almost media um, malpractice. I mean, if these people are reporters, which most of them aren't, they're, um, they're, they're doing a terrible job. Let me make an example. A guy named David Weigel. I have no problem mentioning his name and telling you exactly what happened. I called up David Weigel at the Washington Post. He's a senior person there. He also uh, had, was named, by the way, as one of the leakers of some something had happened. Um, I can't remember the whole story, so i got to be careful. But <clears throat> what I don't have to be careful about is what happened with me. I called him up, and I went through <clears throat> everything that happened. And he said, Ed, that is absolutely amazing. I said, well, write it. Because nobody would write anything that I had to say. I said, write it. He said, well, let me run it by Brad. And I said, Brad? Brad who? He said, Brad Bauman. And I said, why do you have to run this by Brad Bauman? Well, Brad Bauman was a DNC crisis management person. He was a public relations person. And David Weigel said, we have to run everything by Brad before we print it on this subject. This is the Washington Post. On the subject of Seth Rich. On the subject they of Seth Rich. They have to run it by a DNC person. They have person. to run it by a DNC person. Then I called up the New York Times, Emily Steele. She wrote something. I asked her, here's more information. She said, they told us we can't write about it anymore. CNN, after I was on with Cuomo, and they said, Ed, send us the information. We'll have you back on. I call Cuomo you know, probably once every two months. I send emails. They say, we've moved on. We have no interest in the story. Um, I, I can go and then mediate. The other day, I got a call from a really nice guy at Mediate. Gave him all this information. I've called him a couple times. He said, no, we're not writing anything on it. Why aren't you writing anything yeah. on it? Because the truth goes against this narrative, the narrative right. that these liberal, deep state, whatever the hell you want to call them, are trying to support. But the truth is what we're talking about. And they're yeah. doing everything they can to hold on to this. Well, even Fox ran a story and tried to lay this out. What we've been talking about, laid out the whole story, and they retracted the story, right? Well, there, there's. let me explain to you what they did. Okay. okay? And, and are we okay? Because when I, we look well, at the time. Five to seven minutes. That's all we have talk left? As fast as, yes, let's talk as fast as I do. I oh grew up in New York. Goodness, I know. I grew I know. up in New York. All right. Okay. So I'll talk <laughs> fast. So... so um, when the story came out, 
Rod Wheeler read it. He read a quote that said, I have seen and read the emails between Seth Rich and WikiLeaks, said a federal investigator. Rod Wheeler, such a fool, thought that was him. It wasn't him. It was somebody else that Malia Zimmerman had. He went out and went on television and said, Fox misquoted me. So they pulled the story. Fox did not misquote him. Malia Zimmerman's article is exactly right. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing's ever been proven to be wrong with it. Yeah. And and that story should be reinstated. And people in the media should get behind it and say, you know what? She wrote a great story. It is true. And that story should be reinstated. Here's the problem where we are. Honestly, it is such a, it has become fact in the left-wing world, and I was calling the Democrat media mob, it is a fact that the Seth Rich thing was cooked up. In fact, a lot of the allegations, even in conservative uh, sources, will say, well, this really was cooked up. This whole story of Seth Rich and, and the emails, it was cooked up because uh, by the Trump team to embarrass, uh, you know, to uh, draw attention back to the Democrats. You know who they said, Drew, you know they said made it up? You. Me. Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you know President Trump? I've never met President Trump. This this guy, Wigdor, who you'll start hearing a lot more about real soon, trust me, um, a lawyer, had all these lawsuits against Fox News and made up a story that the president and Vladimir Putin were scared that people were onto their breaking into the DNC. So they called me in Dallas and asked me to create a fake story for them. So I somehow I got a hold of Malia Zimmerman's mind, yeah. convinced her <laughs> to like write an a story. investigation, she right. said, yeah. And to convince her to write a story about this, got Rod Wheeler and convinced everybody, even everyone at Fox News, convinced everybody to go along with this because we were doing it for the president. I've never met the president in my life. Okay, but what's amazing, and I, I, I believe I'm sure that was the case, but there are conservative websites I go to because I assume they're kind, they are kind of conservative, who are recounting this. Oh, whole rich uh, Seth Rich thing Which has ones? been debunked. I'll call them. Well, Washington Examiner was one. Washington mm. Examiner, you know. Washington Examiner. That's not that's not what happened. The Washington Examiner had to pull back a story that that um, Admiral Lyons put up, and July because they of were sued, year? they were sued on uh, something that Admiral Lyons wrote. And yeah. I love Ace Lion. Ace Damn. Lion was 91 years yeah, old and a great man yep. and, a, and a friend. And Ace wrote something, and the truth is, he said one word that probably shouldn't have been there. But it's called an op-ed, okay? Yeah. I mean, op-ed is your own opinion. I mean, if, if people get sued over their op-eds, I mean, Carl Rove better watch out, okay? <laughs> I mean, the, the whole thing is ridiculous. But, no, but you have websites that, conservative or any website, I'll call them. I call up everybody. I'm just sick of this crap. Yeah, we know we're going to have to do. We um, are going to have to come back and do this another time because I didn't. I didn't. I wanted to get the basic thing I cared about is making sure it's clear that no one in the entire Mueller investigation, the entire federal government, wanted to know what really happened, wanted to hear your story, wanted to hear Ellen tell the story, and people got just railroaded into thinking that the it was kind of like the virtue signaling smart crowd well we everybody knows now this and so we we everyone knows you roll your eyes about that so i don't know how this will but i, I am very troubled number one everyone should want justice the the goal of our system is justice it is truth it's finding truth it is not humoring the narrative i think the american left which i include pretty much the entire media in they want nothing they, they can hardly stand the idea that seth's rich murder might somehow be looked at from the perspective of 
oh, so he was the one who gave the emails from the DNC. Right. And once he's that, well, then obviously DNC, somebody on their side had a motive for his murder, which is unsolved. They just can't stand that publicity so that the easier thing is to default or backpedal into saying, you know, this is silly. This is some guy cooked it up. So, Ed, we're going to have to finish this. And we're going to have to finish another time, Ed Butowski. We're just going to have to do that because i got to hit one more quick story, okay, really Absolutely. fast. You can sit right there. So. The final thing I want to hit today, just one little piece of this, again, this has, I use this expression, deplorable incuriosity. It is breathtaking that the FBI that managed to talk to, and I have the numbers, usually I don't have them right in my head, but the number of people the FBI investigated under the Mueller investigation, looked into to figure out what happened, the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax. I mean, it was hundreds of witnesses, hundreds of thousands of hours of depositions, millions of dollars, you know, whatever it is, 25, 30 lawyers, 40 FBI agents, and no one had the time, no one thought it important enough to try to track down Julian Assange, to try to say, what exactly did, what do you know, to report what was in their computer, the Seth Rich's computer, to talk about, to talk to Ellen Ratner, Ed Butowski, this whole thing, and this is a, piece of it you know I've done so much public speaking on this and I always try to organize into topics because you get lost in the morass of characters names and nuances but one thing I want to plant with you before we go to our closing and that is this if anything should tell you that there is something extremely off base in what the what happened in this whole Seth Rich Mueller Trump-Russia collusion, it, it, it surrounds the organization called CrowdStrike. And I want, if you recognize that name, you're thinking, ah, she's talked about this before. When the DNC realized they'd been hacked, or believed they had been hacked, they hired an organization called CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike, I actually looked up a little bit about them today, and, and I actually discovered more things that caused me to believe that the, this entire thing was intended, orchestrated, but let me just get to it. So, DNC hires CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike looks at their computers. CrowdStrike says, you know, this was, they found evidence of a Russian hack, evidence in June, May, May and June of 2016 of the Russians trying to get into the DNC server. So that story was placed by CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is a Democrat-affiliated, Hillary Clinton-affiliated, funded by Google, tells you about all you need to know, the arms industry, NATO, Saudi Arabia. This is the people who fund CrowdStrike, founded by a very, a, a very close Hillary ally, people that are involved with, with um, Hillary Clinton. They have a, a former senior FBI guy, Sean Henry, who was promoted by Robert Mueller to be the FBI's head of cybersecurity in the 2000s, became an owner and manager of CrowdStrike. These are all the, these thick as thieves. So the CrowdStrike does the analysis. They announced to the world that the reason we all know what was in the DNC servers, all these emails, was because of the Russian hacking. And so if you were Robert Mueller, you have endless subpoena power. Wouldn't you look at the DNC server yourself? Wouldn't you tell, or if you're really Andrew Weissman, because Mueller wasn't really involved, wouldn't you tell the FBI, you need to go and check out this server? No official, no government official, FBI, NSA, any government official, CIA, has ever seen the DNC server. 
every time you've read any report, read any report ever about what was in the DNC server, it came, it's based on CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike, even in this entire Mueller investigation, all that Mueller ever got a hold of were, were draft, redacted draft copies of CrowdStrike's investigation. And this is a Hillary affiliated, you know, on the Hillary team. Nobody else, I've, in all of my knowledge of American law enforcement, have I been aware of any time in which the FBI would say, okay, well, the person who's claiming to be hacked, we don't have to see the server. We don't get to look at it. We don't get to do anything. We are just, we're told by the DNC. And, and actually, that was one little conflict that came up. You know, uh, the DNC tried to say the only reason we didn't ever give the server to the FBI is because they never asked. And even Comey, the dis disreputable Comey, testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We asked, we asked, we asked. They wouldn't give it to us. So we have CrowdStrike just as, just as, I mean, it screams something serious and problematic and, and just deeply wrong. CrowdStrike actually came out recently with a, with a statement, we stand by our statement, Russia, Trump, collusion, blah, blah, blah. I just want to make this final point about uh, CrowdStrike. It is entirely possible, it truly is entirely possible that CrowdStrike did look at the uh, servers. They did find some evidence of Russia hacking in. I don't know if I think that's true. But that doesn't preclude the possibility that even if Russia was trying to do something, that Seth Rich, sitting there working for the DNC, didn't use his ability to get the emails from the DNC and share them with WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. CrowdStrike could be, at least as far as it went, telling the truth, that, that they found some little hint of evidence. Who knows? It doesn't change the reality that there is plentiful evidence that Seth Rich got the emails off the DNC server, shared them with Julian Assange at WikiLeaks, and all of us are supposed to just sit in our hands and smile and nod as we're being told what we're allowed to talk about and what we're not allowed to talk about. And I got to tell you, folks, the truth coming out about this will be as bombshell-esque as whatever we're going to hear tomorrow from DeGeneva and the documents coming out. Apparently, some of the things that um, Devin Nunes has been talking about. There will be a lot of documents coming out tomorrow and more over the next weeks ahead. But this story matters. And I always try to close the show by telling you why the stories I talk about matter to you. But this story matters because you are being fed lies in, in the kind, the style that the Soviet Union did when they decided what the public, the mere peasants, are allowed to know, what they're not allowed to know. The mere idea of the Americans being told by our government, we've told you, Seth Rich didn't do this, Seth, unsolved murder, no idea what happened, and I don't know what happened to him either, but I do know he was a, a source for the, uh, I feel very sure he was a source for the WikiLeaks uh, postings by um, Julian Assange. Now, quickly tell you why, at the end of every show, why the story you talk about matter to you. The de declassified document drop, replacement of DNI codes. Oh yeah, codes was a big problem. Uh, with Ratcliffe signals one roadblock to a declassification removed. Former U.S. Attorney Joe DeGeneva says declassification documents start reaching the public tomorrow. Uh, this is going to be, folks, a, it just ain't, depending on what comes out, exposure of the coup plot. It's a watershed event in American history, a potential for a radical reset of our U.S. politics. The rule of law requires full accountability. Rule of law is a fundamental building block of America. My favorite expression, a fundamental building block of America. Rule of law matters. America matters. Next story, Seth Rich, Ed Butowski, and WikiLeaks. The Russians hacked the DNC as the foundation for many Americans' belief about the 2016 election and a major impetus for the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy hoax. 
relying on Hillary-affiliated CrowdStrike to investigate who hacked the DNC servers is not a protocol the FBI would normally agree to. Why was it okay in this case? And even if the Russians hacked, that doesn't mean the Russians were WikiLeaks' source. If Seth Rich downloaded those emails and gave them to WikiLeaks, one significant premise of the Trump-Russia collusion collapses. We all deserve to know the truth. On Seth Rich, i got to hit a few more points. Prominent reporter Ellen Ratner told the world that Julian Assange said the DNC hack wasn't committed by the Russians. Assange himself has implied this. Why has the FBI not pursued this? Why the Democrat media mockery of this possibility? Why the silencing of media reports on this? If the Mueller team is seeking truth, why not examine the servers, interview Assange, interview Ratner, interview Ed Butowski? Experts pointed out, and we didn't even get to this part of the story, that the volume of information obtained proves WikiLeaks information had to have come from a download, not a remote hacking. We'll get to that another day. But why would the Mueller investigation not pursue this issue? And FBI's lack of investigative vigor, folks, they, they investigated down to the detail, ridiculous level things of Trump affiliates that had nothing to do with Trump Russia. But Rep Representative Devin Nunes is right when he said, if our investigators don't get to the bottom of the origins, the predicate of the Trump Russia collusion hoax, conservatives won't trust government for decades. He is right. Everyone should want this full truth. We should pursue with the same fervor the question of who really gave WikiLeaks the DNC server info they published, whether Seth Rich downloaded the information from the DNC server, and whether his death was related to his actions. Getting to this truth matters. The Russia DNC hack motive for the Mueller investigation appears to be a fraud. America deserves the whole truth. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Come back every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here. Wherever you're watching, please like this page on Facebook. Please follow me and subscribe on YouTube. Talk to you next time. And we'll talk every week because we always talk about the bottom line, America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you